This is it, Bass Nation. Another episode presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Here in the middle of December, holy cow, this year has flown by. It seems like just yesterday we were announcing all the great changes for 2013 with the addition of a chance for each listener to win $100 during an episode in the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. Kurt, you are right. It seems like another year has blew by us here at Bass Edge. Really like to thank all of the anglers that share their knowledge with our listeners this year and especially for the wonderful feedback we continue to receive about Bass Edge Radio. Thank you for being a part of Bass Edge. Continue to be interactive with the show via email and, of course, our social media outlets. Hey, this is a great time to thank all of our sponsors in 2013, including MegaWare Keelguard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, Legend Boats, PowerPole, Mercury Outboards, and Rapaholic. 2013 has been a blast, and we are so looking forward to 2014. Aaron, man, it almost sounds like we're into the show, but we're actually just getting started. We've got a very different but informative episode as we tackle several listener questions during our Lucas Boyle Angler Spotlight. I am excited to see what the listeners have turned in, as well as bringing in our returning angler guest. Bass Edge Radio will be right back after these messages. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. Kurt, hard to believe, as we mentioned in the introduction, the year has flown by, and that means one thing with it being our last episode. You no longer are able to go to bed in your Santa Claus pajamas. <laughs> I am going to be very disappointed. I've gotten quite comfortable wearing those around. Yeah, it seems to be, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. No more visual images are needed, but um, hey, can you believe it's our last episode together? Together? Where are you going? Well, you know what I mean. For 2013, heading into 20. 14 and today is uh, kind of added a little twist looking forward to diving off into what we have for the listeners. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. We're actually taking all these questions that we've not been able to get through through this past year and uh, bringing them into the show. So we're going to be answering all kinds of different listener questions and we're going to have a special guest in to help us answer another listener question that was actually pointed right to him from a Bass Edge listener. It's great how these anglers come back and are really supportive of all the listeners here at Bass Edge Radio. It is and kind of gets me to thinking about what we have in store and obviously fishing is about being in the present moment Kurt so I already know what you're thinking got to take in our own advice here but it's hard not to look forward to what we have in store for 2014 and the different faces I guess that the show will be taking on some of the different segments all of our sponsors are back it's going to be pretty exciting to see what's on the docket for next year as well yeah and you know fortunately I've been able to get a little bit of insight of what we might be up to so uh, it's exciting again to uh, get ready to 
start a new year, and there's been a lot of prepping, obviously, for that on your part and on my part. But hey, you know what? I look back at a lot of these great episodes, and I re-listen to some of the older episodes to see how, of course, I can get better as a host and what we can do. But man, there is a ton of great tips that came through in listening to those older 2013 episodes. You know, talking about cranking tips from the Horton episode 164. Combs had some awesome tips in there from the episode 169 about fall cranking. We had flipping tips from the uh, Glenn Brown episode 160, the Morgan Thaler 153 episode. I mean, great guests all around. Jason Christie, Cliff Pace, Skeet Reese, Gerald Swindle, Jeff Creed, John Cruz, Randall Tharp. I mean, the list goes on from every Angler episode from 1 to 174. Folks, you got to make sure you go back and check those deals out. And of course, Kurt, who could forget the Cliff Crochet episode? Catch him, Cliff. Catch him. One of my favorite episodes just because of what we talked about, his accent, and so much fun to be had on that episode, but also many. But you know what? Today we have another episode. Going to be great. Returning guest Keith Combs to talk specifically about a question by the listener that was directed towards him. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This is professional angler Brandon Palmer, and you're dialed in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. Well, Bass Edge Nation, as we alluded to earlier, we've got a special segment today during our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and welcome you to Bass Edge Christmas. <laughs> Aaron and I are going to answer a few listener questions that we didn't have a chance to get to previously. And every question, the listener that provided that question will win a $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. So this is going to be really neat. So every question that we go through, make sure that you listeners, if you provided us with the question that you contact us here at Bass Edge through our email, support at BassEdge.com, and let us know that you heard your question on the show, and you will receive that $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. That's right, Kurt. You know, we get so many interesting questions from anglers really across the board on skill levels, and unfortunately, you know, you and I have talked about this many, many times. We cannot fit every one of them in throughout the year, so what a better time to kind of mull them over during these winter months when, you know, quite frankly, it's a little chilly out there to be hitting the water at this opportunity. So I think O'Reilly stepping up and saying, hey, we want to recognize, we want to provide some incentive and keep anglers engaged to sending those questions in. You know, this could be an annual, kind of like the Oprah show, you know, where you look under your chair there, Kurt, like you used to tell me that you used to win. <laughs> you know, you look at a Christmas show and you get all those gifts. You know, I know you've, you like that. So that's kind of the same thing that we're trying to create here. Well, 
Well, let's do it. Let's get right down to it. Our first question comes from Brian in Rayville, Louisiana. Brian asks, I like fishing most of the time in freshwater lakes. I've been using lures mostly and didn't catch very much. What type and color of lures are best during hot 90 degree days, dark colors or bright colored lures? Well, right out of the gate here, you know, Kurt, and I do have to say, obviously some of these questions, we're going to have to make some assumptions. And on this assumption, I am going to say that I prefer top water, obviously, early of the morning. Usually go with, if the water is clear, I'm going to go with a lighter color, you know, maybe a spook, buzz bait, depending on if they're in the river or if we're actually out, you know, in the upper ends of the lake towards more of the river or down on the main lake, if we have any wind. I think as far as during the day as that temperature and sun starts to get up high, you know me, I am a deep water fisherman. Once that top water bite goes away, I'm going to revert to looking at my graph, maybe with a drop shot. If the water's clear and the sun is high, I'm going to be using bright colors or be throwing a football jig, throwing that deep crankbait. Those are going to be some of my top choice. How about you? Well, i tell you what, what I'm going to hit up on this question is the colors. You know, there's such an array of different colors out there for anglers to choose from. I mean, you walk into the tackle store or check out a tackle store online and <laughs> you search one type of worm and all of a sudden, boom, there's 20 or 25 colors. And, and how does an angler choose? Well, I'll tell you what, this is what I like to do and break down. You know, there's a couple of main colors for me. One is green pumpkin. Another one is black and blue fleck. And then the third one is going to be watermelon. Really what that gives you is gives you a spectrum of dark to lighter colors. And then also, you know, just some more natural looking colors. So what I would suggest, Brian, here is to get some confidence in using just a few different colors of lures so that you're not trying to decide which three bright lures you might throw. You just have one brighter, like a watermelon, something natural. Then when you want to try a dark color, you know you're going right to the uh, black and blue fleck. And then if you want to kind of mix it up, you've got that green pumpkin, maybe chartreuse, dye the tail and kind of doctor it up a little bit. But I think that there's no specific answer for exactly the hot 90 degree days, what color to use. I think you've got to go through your rotation and find out what the fish want at that particular moment. And that's going to bring Brian a whole lot of success fishing those freshwater lakes over there in Louisiana. Good stuff there. And uh, Brian, just remember, keep it simple. I think that has been the common theme throughout the entire Bass Edge radio season with our guest pro anglers. Our next question actually comes in from Tony Williams of Robbins, North Carolina. Tony wants to know, what is the best reel for pitching and flipping, and what's the best way to set up the real drag and tension? Kurt, take it away, buddy. Tony, this is an awesome question. It really takes a lot of experience and a lot of messing around, really, with your equipment to understand what works best. There's a couple different scenarios here, so I'll get into the first one really quickly, and that's using braided lines. So if I'm flipping or pitching big, heavy grass vegetation, I'm going to use 65-pound braided line, and the real drag and the tension is going to be on lockdown. (laughs) So I'm going to turn that star drag as much as I can to where that, that line will not come out at all. The reason I'm wanting to do this is because, you know, especially when you're flipping the big vegetation, is you want to use every ounce of muscle that that rod can potentially give you to get the fish out of there very quickly. Otherwise, it's going to wrap around that vegetation, and oftentimes you're going to lose a fish like that. And also, even if it does get hung up in there, when you have that really big braid, 
braided line, you can keep tension to hopefully dig down into the vegetation with your hands if you get close to it and actually pull the fish out. So as far as the gear ratio on the reel that I like for that is going to be a high ratio gear range. So typically a seven to one. The reason I like a high ratio is because when I get the bite and I go to winch down on the fish, I'm not letting any slack out there or any possibility for that fish to kind of run in a different direction and me not be able to catch up to them to get good line tension before I go ahead and set the hook. So that's kind of that scenario. Aaron, what do you think about on another type of scenario? Well, I think uh, I want to address the type of reel. You know, obviously there's numerous brands. I'm not going to go through them all. Every reel company out there makes a good brand as far as identifying, but I think the specific type, it's going to have to be a bait caster. And some of the things that you mentioned, you know, as far as jacking down on that drag, absolutely. A lot of the times, as far as the tension and the speed of which the line is going to come off the reel, I run my reels predominantly wide open because I'm controlling that spool with my thumb. Some guys will step in, they'll grab my reel, they'll be, you know, try and make a pitch with it because maybe they run a little bit more tension. There is no right or wrong answer. You have to kind of adapt and go out and practice and whatever you become proficient with, I skip under a lot of docks. So I want that motion to be able to follow through and for that line to shoot under there without much resistance. As far as the type of line, you know, Kurt, you bring up braid. I like fluorocarbon. I fish a lot of clear water. So if I'm not around vegetation in open water, not in brush, you know, that fluorocarbon is hard to beat. So I think that's a couple things that I would add to what you brought up. I tell you what, Aaron, I got one more thing I want to throw in there for Tony, and that is when he's using that fluorocarbon, which I agree 100% with you in those clear water situations, using that fluorocarbon is, you know, earlier I talked about just totally winching down your drag. Well, when you go to that fluorocarbon, make sure you come off that drag a little bit. You know, you're using this generally in a tight quarter situation, so you don't have a whole lot of line out. So you're shocked your line is going to be tremendous when you set the hook on a short line situation. So make sure that your drag is set on a really hard hook set that there is just some slight slippage. And so that's going to have to change if you're using, you know, say 16 pound test, and then you can tighten it up a little bit more if you go to 20. And then if you're really in some thick stuff using that, that fluorocarbon, you know, in the 25 range, you can tighten it down a little bit more, but make sure you adjust the drag for the weight line that you're using in a particular situation. Man, Kurt, this is one of the harder episodes to do because every time we keep talking, I keep wanting to say, you know what, and you know what, and you know what, because every time you say something, something else comes up and we're trying to really isolate the question in a specific situation. One thing just to add, make sure, as with anything, but especially pitching and flipping, re-tie your lure often. All right, our next question is from Greg Berger of Sioux City, Iowa. Greg states his question regarding choosing the right hook for different applications, specifically the strength of the hook. I have noticed at times the roof of the fish's mouth has a tear. Does that mean I need a different hook? Again, that's from Greg Berger of Sioux City, Iowa. Kurt, what's your thoughts on that one? Greg, if you're tearing the fish's mouth a little bit, that's all good. That means you're setting a steel to them. So you got a great hook set. So I wouldn't worry so much about the type of hook just because of that denominator that's associated with it. But where you do have to be very careful with what kind of hook you use is dependent on what type of technique you're using. Let's go back, you know, the last question we discussed with uh, pitching and flipping. You're going to need a big brute stock hook, you know, maybe even a super line hook, something that's not going to have any bend or flex in it because it really doesn't 
doesn't have any difference on the action of the lure. You're just dropping it down and boom. But let's take it to a drop shot scenario. You know, if you like to nose hook a drop shot or if you like to utilize a Texas rig weedless style drop shot presentation, then you're going to need smaller hooks and light wire hooks. The reason for that is you're using lighter lines. So make sure that you dictate the type of hook that you're using also with the type and size line that you're using. Let me just explain one thing really quick that you can think about when you're choosing a hook for presentation. And that is, if, if I were to take a big nail and try and drive it into this wood, I would need a hammer to get it into a piece of wood. And that's what you're talking about with these bigger hooks, these brute stock hooks. So if you're using a single hook presentation, Texas rig, those kinds of things, generally you want to go with a little bit bigger hook because when you set the hook, you're going to drive that nail almost you know, like you're driving it right into the wood. So if you're using a smaller line, more finesse technique, use a lighter wire hook because really then it's almost like you're taking a pin and pushing it into the hook. You don't want to drive a pin into the piece of wood with a hammer because it's just going to bend and tear up. You know, you want to you want to just be able to pull it into it and pierce it in. So think about that when you're using your different techniques with your different hook types, and that'll help you gauge what you need in a particular situation. Well, good stuff there, and I think rule of thumb, the closer you are in proximity to the strike zone or setting closer to the fish, my rule of thumb is the bigger hook that I'm going to be using and probably the bigger line. The farther that I'm away, you know, like what you speak of, Kurt, the finesse presentations, line size generally goes down as well as the hook size. You know, I can tell you one of the things that throwing a big three-quarter ounce football jig has taught me is because I'm generally throwing that on 10 or 12 pound test line in most clear water situations, I'm using a light wire hook even on that big three-quarter ounce football jig. I have so much line that's out there to be able to drive that hook. I want a smaller diameter, especially through a small mouse mouth. You know, they're so tough. I want a small diameter hook to be able to pierce and get a good hook set because you have a lot of leverage on something like a football jig for them to being able to shake loose so good stuff there yeah greg thanks for uh sending in your question be sure to contact us here at bass edge through our email support at bassedge.com to collect your 25 dollar gift card from o'reilly auto parts and we're moving right into the next question and this question has so much enthusiasm it's kind of a two-part deal this question is from gary cherry of wind gap pennsylvania here's the first part this pond in January was covered with ice, with the exception of a small section that managed to get sunlight through most of the day. Friend and I were buzzing around the pond on some three-wheelers. Coincidentally, we stopped right up along the hillside overlooking the unfrozen area. As we peered down, they noticed hundreds of bluegill, some bass channel cats basking in the midday sun. Go figure. Aaron, what do you think about that? Uh, pool or pond, you know, Caddyshack. Hey, this is kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird situation because I'm looking at the magnitude of this question, and he has a lot of stuff going on, so I'm trying to take notes to be able to write this down to make sure we can address each piece. Well, i tell you what, you're exactly correct. And this first piece, what I really want to address quickly is it just shows, Gary, that it doesn't matter how cold it is outside or to us as humans. You know, the bass are going to react to a specific condition. And as those conditions change, they're going to take advantage of small windows of opportunity, which is exactly what you had here. You know, when you had that unfrozen area, they could kind of cruise up there, get out from under the ice and feel that basking sun. So, you know, those are the small little things that you've got to be able to detect as an angler when you're out there on the water to put yourself in a great position to catch more fish. Now, here's the second part of this question. And this this is great, Aaron. I, I really love this question because the enthusiasm is phenomenal and oftentimes is 
as anglers, we go through this every day. Here it goes. I was at a mountain impoundment checking to see if the pre-spawn madness had begun. It usually does by mid-April. Winter temps, low 50s, weather mist, chilling breeze. First, a quick search, yo-yoing rattle traps. Zip, nada, didn't catch a thing. Then, slowing down, he decides to throw a jig and crawl, a trap. Finally, one bass. Then two hours, nothing. For fun, he ties on a vintage South Bend bass arena, throating under some overhanging trees on a shallow rocky bank, counts to eight Mississippi, gives it a tug, and he feels like Jeremy Wade on the Amazon River. Unbelievable. A small largemouth rockets in the air jaws and wallops his lure. It seemed as if he landed on it. Very funny and lots of laughs, but then it happens too. Then three times, along the same thousand-foot rocky embankment, something is happening here i think out loud this is cool i have a vamp spook that i've removed the lip from and installed a rattle in what will it do i put it in a 150 foot cast down this bouldering causeway stringing my line over a few branches like tinsel as soon as it splashes down i rip the line out of the thickets and begin retrieving high sticking a walking dog almost immediately in a v-shaped wake then that lure gets cracked and then again then again although the rest of the day was dominated by slow rolling single colorado bladed spinnerbaits the excitement was in fact for that period of time in the Pennsylvania mountains, the bass discarded what would normally be the golden rules for late winter, early spring bassin. Why? Wait for summer. The freak show is now in session. He wants to know, Aaron, any thoughts on why some days the rules just don't apply? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Gary, first off, thank you for sending that in. You know, Kurt, between Gary's writing and your reading, I really felt like I was sitting in a coffee house listening to Emerson <laughs> or Thoreau. That's right. It's good stuff, man. And and the South Bend Bassarino, I, I think, I swear to you, I think I saw that on a infomercial years ago. So I, it's been a long time since I've seen that. But I think the thoughts as far as why the rules don't apply is exactly that. Let's not make it any harder than what it is because sometimes, you know what, we get so conditioned to thinking and pigeonholing the way that bass are supposed to act based upon what we've read in a magazine, what we've heard on Bass Edge, or what we've experienced in the past. How many times do we have to hear, get out of the box, try something different because the bass simply don't read the same magazines and don't listen to the same TV shows and radio shows that we do? Aaron, you, I mean, you hit it right on the peg. What can I say? Gary, thank you very much for your enthusiasm. Thank you for sending in this question. I was just as excited to read it as to think about why the rules don't apply. And quite frankly, Aaron, you hit it right on the head. You never think that just because you've heard X or heard Y that that's the only way to catch them. Go out there. Be your own angler. Do your own thing. Adjust to conditions. And most importantly, have fun. Obviously, Gary did right here. Hey, look, we might be getting carried away a little bit. Again, love the enthusiasm. Let's take a quick break. Bass Edge will be right back. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a Superstart battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every Superstart battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, Superstart batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. Back on Bass Edge Radio, returning to our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. You've heard it here many times. Visit lucasoil.com. It works. Aaron, this next question is from Bruce Dowds of Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. We're going to slip this one in before we get our special guest on the line. Bruce fishes Presque Isle Isle Bay in Erie, PA. He wants to know, during the spring, specifically the spawn, can you see the nests on the flats? In the middle of the nests, when I do see it, there's a clamshell inside upside down. Is this a normal thing or is this something different for that area? Kurt, you know, I'm going to have to defer a little bit of that to you. I can't say it's a normal thing. Normally, I have seen it many, many times to where, you know, bass comes in there, roots around. There is a sweet spot that is going to be located on the bed, but as far as there actually being a clamshell on every bed, I just think it's a fluke. Yeah, I would agree. It is a fluke. I think what's important here is that, you know, the clamshell's known as there's a hard bottom. I remember a tournament several years back down at Smith Mountain Lake, and uh, we were sight fishing, seeing fish on the beds, and uh, I see a lot of these clamshells too, and I think what happens is those fish get in there, they get so fired up, and they're dusting off those areas that stuff's just flying everywhere. I mean, it's almost like a little tornado's going on down there, and all kinds of things get toppled and turned and when you have a lot of clams on the bottom you're going to see several upside down and uh you know in this particular situation it's probably doesn't mean that's the middle of the nest but it certainly means that there's a nest and it's very close by and that's probably what bruce is seeing in that area but bruce make sure that you're always looking around for those clam shells because they will help you find beds and again in this situation i think just seeing them upside down might be just a little bit of anomaly but uh very interesting fact there appreciate you sending in that question make sure you let us know here at support at bassedge.com so you can receive that 20 Five dollar O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Hey, Aaron, you know, we had a really cool question coming on Facebook, and it was actually addressed to my friend Keith Combs. We got him on the line to help us answer the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. Hey, Keith, how you doing? I'm doing good, Kurt. How are you? Doing really good. Appreciate you being on with us again today. Hey, I got to ask you real quick. You know, we asked this question to Brandon Polinick uh, in our last episode. I'm always interested to hear how anglers spend their winter months becoming a better angler. You know, we don't get as much time on the water this time of year just because for a lot of us to do this full time we're just actually trying to clear our head and spend a little time off the water but what are some of the things that you do in the winter or activities that you've got going to make yourself a better angler well you know i still try to fish as much as i can i mean um Really, the weather is like the only thing that'll hold me back, but I'll go and, and do a lot of scouting runs to some of the lakes that I'm not familiar with. Like, I'll go to Seminole, and we have a classic coming up at Gunnersville, and uh, I've fished Gunnersville a few times, but I still want to go and not necessarily do a lot of fishing, but really do some things that I don't want to do when the official practice starts. You know, if it's a new lake, I don't want to be learning how to navigate the place, or if I think it's going to be an offshore structure bite or an offshore brush pile bite or something like that. I don't want to be wasting a lot of time idling around looking for features when I could be fishing and patterning fish. So I'll make those kind of runs. You know, other things is cleaning up all my tackle. Everything kind of is out of place, and I like to be real organized. So getting my tackle, uh, getting my new boat rig for the next season, 
And this year, I'm going to spend a little bit of time getting in shape because it's going to be a, a real hectic spring. So I know that I'm going to be putting in some long hours in the spring. So uh, I've already started hitting the gym and trying to get back into decent shape. I go through a lot of the same things. I'll be hitting a few of the lakes. But, you know, one of my big things, I go through my boat, like just like you were talking about. Things get out of shape a little bit in the, in the boat. And uh, I go through there and, and kind of get rid of some of the things that I thought I might use a little bit more and just kind of clear my head with some of the lures and products that I'm not using using as much and really kind of revamp into the angler that I'm going to be in 2014. So, well, Kurt, uh, I noticed you stayed away from the getting in shape physically. You didn't touch <laughs> that with a 10-foot pole. Still, I'm still pounding out the fast food restaurants. No, actually, I have. I've been watching a little bit what I eat this winter. You know, it's funny, you know, maybe similar to Keith. During the summer months, which is typically a month when you lose a lot of weight, I actually put on a lot of weight because I'm on the road, so I'm not eating very healthy. It's those winter months that I'm home all the time that I'm I'm eating a lot more healthy and I'm losing more weight. So generally when I go out and kind of hit the road in the early springtime, I'm feeling my best physically throughout the year. And then toward the end of the year, you know, you put on a few pounds, you had too many Burger King Whoppers and and then uh, you get home and you can kind of regroup in that wintertime. So uh, I'm along the same lines as Keith in that regard. Contrary to what you might believe. Oh, no. Oh, no. I thought that was uh, that was interesting. So just observation. That's all. All right. Good deal. Well, hey, let's get down to the listener question. This question came to us on Facebook, came from Brian Holderman. It specifically asked Keith, you know, because he was on an episode a few weeks back. So we wanted to make sure we brought Keith on to answer this question for Brian. And here it is. Wonder if Keith could talk about how much a gear ratio on reels with all the different ratios now and how they relate to throwing worms, crankbaits, spinnerbaits during the retrieve and after getting a fish on the line. Does the ratio provide any key differences to sounds that the lures make or improve strikes? Keith, what's your take on Brian's question? You know, it's a good question and it's definitely something you got to consider because there are a lot of options out there. But Kurt, I, I really use a, a fast gear ratio reel for all my fishing. I use a ratio of 731. For me, I'm more of a fast-paced fisherman anyway. I don't really set around too often, but with that type of reel, I can do it all. That's why I choose that. You know, if I want to reel slower, I can. You know, I can get my bait up to speed that I want it to and just keep it at that with a slow reel. Sometimes that requires a little bit more concentration. You know, a low gear ratio reel is just going to let you reel naturally. And uh, so the thing you've got to watch with a high gear ratio is it's just not getting in too big a hurry with what speed comes natural for your hand to reel. The short answer is I use the fastest one available. I use 7 3 to 1. And uh, he also asked about, you know, when you get a fish hooked up. And that's one of the big reasons that I use the fast one because you really never know what you're going to hook. And in a tournament situation, you need to land everything. And uh, small fish is really the worst. You know, if we're fishing for pound and a half, two pound fish, well, sometimes that fish is a lot harder to catch up with. If you have a six pounder on, you're probably not going to bring him in too fast. But to keep your line tight on a small fish, I think you really need that fast gear ratio reel. And when you do get a bite, you need to reel down and set the hook and just a split second faster in that fast gear ratio reel makes a difference. That's why I use the fast one. Well, and basically what I'm hearing, Keith, the interesting thing about bass fishing, we all know there is no one right or wrong answer, but you've adapted that style because that's what 
you prefer and that's what fits your style the best even though if it does require a little bit more concentration it doesn't necessarily rule out that if somebody wants to go to a lower gear ratio to throw crankbaits on they can certainly do that as well main thing is adapt it to the style of fishing that you're comfortable with absolutely and i tried different things when i was first starting out and you know that was the one i was most comfortable with and i felt like it let me do everything and pretty much i used the same reel for flipping that i do for cranking but uh once again like you said i had to try it all and find out what worked best for me but uh if you adapt to a fast one, you'll be able to use the same reel throughout your fishing, and uh, sometimes that's a big plus. You know, when you're rotating baits, it helps things flow a little easier for you on the water. Well, and certainly for another plus is for those on a limited budget, it helps keep the cost of having to track down specified reels and adding uh, more dollars and more equipment to our arsenal. But, hey, thanks, Keith, for assisting us in our O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. Brian Holderman, please contact us via email at support at bassedge.com and let Let us know you heard your question on the show to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And Bass Edge Nation, please continue to submit your listener questions through that email, support at BassEdge.com, with your name, hometown, and, of course, your question that you'd like to hear answered on the show. You can also post them on the Bass Edge Facebook page or tweet them to at Bass Edge. When your question's chosen and heard on the show, you become a $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts winner. Thank you, Keith, for helping us out on the show today, and good luck in 2014. Anything you want to leave with the listeners today? No, man, absolutely. Any other questions you got, I'll do my best to answer them, so just call in and uh, get me back online. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you supporting the show, and most importantly, our listeners. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be back in a moment. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Hey everybody, I'm Justin Lucas. I'm Jason Christie. This is FLW Tour Angler Brian Thrius. I'm Kevin Hawk, BASS Pro Pete Ponds. This is Skeet Reese, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. tell you what this has been an awesome experience i've loved going through all these listener questions and being able to answer them on the show and just continue to get the uh, listeners to be interactive is going to be so much more fun as we move into 2014 and believe me we listen to and read all the questions that everybody sends into bass edge and uh, we appreciate all your interactiveness even up to this point but i gotta say i think aaron this is going to have to be an annual deal what do you think you know kurt i was thinking that myself because it 
just shows how educated and how thirsty the Bass Edge family and the Bass Edge audience is to hear from our guest anglers and hear what they have to say. And you know what? What a better way. We had a lot of our sponsors step up, certainly in the form of, of the listener questions. O'Reilly's giving out gift cards to every single person that was chosen for this show. So why not? You know, I, I think it's just incentive to the listeners to make sure that they keep sending in those questions. And even if they're not covered per se in the week or the month in which they send them in, they still have the opportunity to get them addressed at the end of the year. You got it. And let me go through those names again real quick. So for the $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question winners, please remember to contact us at support at BassEdge.com. And that is Brian from Rayville, Louisiana. Tony Williams from Robbins, North Carolina. Greg Berger from Sioux City, Iowa. Gary Cherry of Wind Gap, Pennsylvania. Bruce Dowds of Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. And of course, this month, our $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question goes to Brian Holderman for his fantastic question to Keith Combs via our Facebook page at Bass Edge. You know, hearing that list being read off, it just kind of shows you the uh, geographical presence that our fan base represents. And come on, West Coast, we need to hear from you guys as well. So just a shout out to get some attention and some love coming in from the West Coast. But you know what, Kurt? Unfortunately, the ball has dropped for Bass Edge Radio 2013. Thanks to you, the listener for being part of the Bass Edge family. A special shout out to all of our 2013 Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight guests and of course, our sponsors. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.